0: Today's protest is scheduled to begin about 2.30 in the afternoon near the intersection of 6th Street and Liberty Avenue in downtown. Pittsburgh's Black Political Empowerment Project doesn't want to see what's happened across the country happen here.
1: I'm calling for calm here in Pittsburgh. We don't need to mimic anything that's happening.
0: The group is also praising Pittsburgh Police Chief Scott Schubert for the letter he wrote to officers about Floyd's death. He wrote in part, quote, a person in handcuffs and face down on the ground should not lose their life due to the action or inaction of the involved officers. It was difficult to watch Mr. Floyd pleading for help and gasping for breath before saying his final words.
2: As an African-American and as a guy who's been a civil rights activist for five decades plus, I was very moved by that.
1: When a police leader says we are going to evaluate our training our training practices, our policies, our procedures.
3: That's a sign of leadership.
0: The executive director of Pittsburgh's Citizen Police Review Board is also praising the chief for calling upon the police academy to review Floyd's death as a reinforcement of the bureau's training against the use of excessive force. Excessive force there, excuse me. Now, if you do plan to be part of this protest today, you are asked to have a mask and to try to do your best to be socially distant.
4: L. Flatley, and you are listening to the failed state update recorded Sunday, May 31st. The uh, previous week, and especially the previous two days, have seen a, an amazing amount of insurrectionary activity across the country in response to the George Floyd murder, but also in response to the massive amount of police violence over the last 30 years. And counting... Yesterday was uh, extremely surreal for me because I have, you know, underlying medical conditions that, uh, you know, mean I shouldn't get COVID-19. I mean, maybe I'm a coward and hats off to the brave people that are willing to go out and risk that and stand up to the cops and stand up to the system. But, and, and, and truth be told, a protest is probably not where you're going to get COVID. And there was a brisk breeze blowing all day, but That isn't to say that uh, you can't easily get it in the back of a paddy wagon. So I stayed home and I followed everything on uh, Twitter and personal live streams and the television and the police scanner. Very surreal for me because in some ways it was easier to know what was going on than if you were in the midst of the protest. But at the same time, how can you ever really know unless you're there? But this is a podcast called Failed State Update, so it would I would be remiss if I if I didn't um offer some perspective of my perspective on all that's going on. And to do so, we're are going to first speak to uh Vincent Scotty Irene, a longtime activist and a friend of mine, and uh kind of a legendary Pittsburgh character who has been fighting the man for his entire life. So without further ado, I'm going to give him a call and, uh, we'll take it from there. So any rate I just wanted to talk to you about yesterday because it's easier to talk to somebody than to just record a monologue but also we've been through it we you know you've been through it you've been protesting and doing activism all your life but also you know I think there's some very clear echoes between what's happening currently and the you know anti corporate globalization movement that we so heavily took part in in the turn of the century.
5: Well, I'll tell you yesterday was like nothing I've ever experienced because everybody was in a really good mood and and they really felt like there was a real unity there and and then just in typical fashion as this has happened over and over again it's at the very end that the thugs take advantage of the situation,
3: mm-hmm.
5: and there was a, a police car that was abandoned. There were, you know, the the horses came up, but were not charging anybody. They were just walking up, and the the um and people just threw bottles at them and rocks, and and boy, that was really frightening to when those um, horse, horses horses start getting spoofed but. The one thing that's different is that, as opposed to Kent State Roads, who said we should have killed more of them, is that both the mayor and the chief of police agreed it was not like Pittsburgh's, It was just uh, not something they had ever seen before here after years of protest, and they were convinced that it was uh, uh, outside agitators uh, hired right-wing thugs
0: I'm just so angry at the fact that some segment hijacked this and then took some of the youth and brought them into the mix. An angry Uh, Pittsburgh police chief lashing out tonight at protesters who turned violent and set fire to police cars, assaulted journalists and other protesters and looted businesses.
4: So, so they were marching from Liberty Avenue to Freedom Corner, and um, along the march route, where there was absolutely nothing—no cars parked or anything. There's like one abandoned police car there. <laughs> Which, yep. Have you ever seen anything like that?
5: Never. The police—if you look uh, at their cars in a funny way—you would get billy clubs. I mean, they're very protective of their vehicles, especially. during a demonstration
4: which that that to me says a lot because so there's already you know two sides forming to you know the activist left in Pittsburgh and you see it on Twitter you see it on the mayor's statements you see it you know just all over the place it's that you know there's the mainstream left which is good which marches and then there's the what they would call extremist left, which is bad, which breaks shit. And it's like, you know, do you think there's a danger of of uh, fragmenting the movement by, like, pitting the two against each other? Or do you think that the, the ones that smash the cop car are some kind of provocateurs or are just marginal and just kind of over, overrepresented in the media?
5: Yeah, the, the, I think they were a minority-minority. Uh, I've been around this before, and uh, they are really arrogant and really angry. And they've had meetings before uh, the demonstration even started. But you know, there's no dividing the left here in Pittsburgh as opposed to other cities because we're underemployed. You know, we're trying to make a uh, dollar fifty out of a dollar. You know, uh, a new definition of of, uh, of a Pittsburgher is it's that person who's looking for a third job. And I think that people are really trying to survive. And I think that I don't think in that sense they can divide us, especially when you have a mayor and a chief of police that agree, who they never agree about anything
4: so there's definitely like, they. it's insane. They call themselves the Boogaloo boys. Have you heard that term? It's like, it's like right-wing extremists that they claim that they're going to all these different protests and, and agitating to, uh, you know, turn them violent. And, you know, every, you know, and that seems to be like the prevailing theory is that was who was responsible. Um, but, it's absolutely possible. And knowing the history of this country, it's possible. But it's not necessary. I, I think it's as easy as parking one police car in one spot, you know, with in a really heated, envir- tense environment like that, that can set this whole thing off, you know, at the police's, if the police wanted to do that.
5: But I still think it's a, a concerted effort um, because it looks like, at least what we're able to tell through videos is that the third uh, police car was actually blown up. <laughs> and the one thing I know about Pittsburgh's and technology is that none of us could have done that. But now, we, we would be able to kick in a door, but you know, the whole thing of, uh, of burning police cars and blowing them up, and I mean, this is, again, something that uh, did not happen spontaneously
4: and And you know, and that kind of leads to my the other thing I keep thinking about is that we're everybody's talking about this when they should be talking about the issue at hand.
5: Well that's the, that that is the uh, always has been the goal of this type of provocateurs is that now, and this is what we used to always say about violence, is now nobody's talking about the issue. No one's talking about or the guy who was killed. No one even remembers his name. You know, uh, you know. It's just like all the focus is on, um, you know, the ultra right and and uh, the left and anything to get it off of the issue. Because you know, if it was to keep on the issue, which by the way it was, then you know something might be resolved. But nothing is going to be resolved when you've got you know. People sitting at home just absolutely, um, absolutely terrorized, absolutely frightened by what had happened,
3: mm-hmm.
5: including me with my two daughters. My daughters were close enough that they took a photograph of the burning burning police car.
4: It's very obvious that, you know, it's not obvious to most people who just sit around watching CSI every night, but to people who understand the history of the movement and of protests in the United States that. The cops, you know, the system, you know, whatever this vaguely defined thing is, the man, and right wing thugs are all on the same team. Whether they acknowledge it or even are always aware of it, um, they're on the same team. So it seems to me that it's incumbent upon the left to, uh, this is a poor choice of words maybe, but police <laughs> the, um, you know, like the more extreme elements more extreme individuals. Like what do you, what do you think should have happened yesterday when people started wailing on that police car?
5: Well, that's, a, that, that is an exactly, that's an exactly good word. In other words, they're what we call during demonstrations. There were no marshals mm-hmm. at any demonstration I've been to. There's always been marshals and the marshals meet uh, beforehand. They had nonviolent training you know, talking about how to re- react to the police, how to react to violence, and then if something like the car thing happens, the uh, the marshals go in and actually block the uh, the protesters from doing stuff like that. And there was none of that; mm-hmm. it was a free for all. And you know, a lot of times, and I know this is sounds a little paranoid, but a lot of times there was just no police around at all. So there, there was no one to stop. I mean, a policeman could move pretty fast in terms of stopping somebody from caving in a car with their boot.
4: I mean, maybe that's really what's going on here is, you know, it's a young movement in Pittsburgh. I didn't know any of the people that were there Um You know, I of course wasn't there, but these live streams are amazing. People just have nothing better to do than turn on their iPhone and walk around, (laughs) like all day. So you can watch (laughs) one of these things for like two hours and get this like really amazing perspective that you wouldn't have if you were in the thick of it. And you know, your mind was, you know, you're full of adrenaline. Your mind's going a hundred places. And but these, you know, there were people there who were leading the march. You know, they they had megaphones, but they were young and, you know, and they, you know, I, you know, I saw a couple instances of people trying to, you know, to handle the, the, um, the vandalism, but, you know, they just looked overwhelmed and the looting. Did you see the looting um, in market square?
5: Yeah. Again, that would have been stopped. We're switching generations. We're moving from uh, the baby boomers and the people that came after that who were protesters, and again, I've been in demonstrations, and they would, and I've seen them stop these things, especially in the globalization movement. And, uh, but again, there was just, there was no policing by the police, and there was no, there was no movement marshals.
4: Yeah, and you know, we know people like this, um, that where, you know, go to every, you know that wear all all black and and take uh, tire irons to protests, and you know they're just sitting around. They've probably been sitting around since the anti war protests in two thousand and four, waiting for a you know a chance to break some windows. So it's not surprising, but it's also there's nothing. This isn't a revolutionary movement.
5: Yeah, I think that it, I think that it goes beyond that. I don't think that the black bloc was sitting around waiting for an opportunity to act. I think they got jobs, they had babies, they're unemployed. And I, I think these people were, at least according to what I'm hearing from different movement people and the news and the alternative media, these people were flown in to Pittsburgh to cause trouble. And, uh, the, you know, when somebody uh, knows what what they are going to do to evoke a reaction way before they even get to Pittsburgh, then... You know, we would have to be real savvy to stop it.
4: I don't obviously know any instance of that uh, specifically, but, you know, I've definitely spoken to people or seen people with live feeds who are, like, traveling from city to city, (laughs) documenting these protests, just like we used to, you know? Um, So, you know, the fact that somebody—and we've met people like that at past protests, so— well, people maybe who are not super familiar with this stuff, um, it might be kind of sound far fetched. I mean, that that's what happens. They call it uh, protest hopping or <laughs> something like that.
5: Yep, yep, like concert hopping. Yeah, 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 protest hopping. And but in this situation, we've known people in the past in the globalization of movement who, even though they would be like alternative. Uh, media people like Gretchen, she would have physically gone in there and stopped them. Sure. And uh, again, there was none of that preparation.
2: So one plain square slice, right? One cheese. Is this a Cherry Red you need to, say cherry you need to Yes. I'm still out of Cherokee Red. You want to cheer one?
5: Yes. See, you get, you get to be on national radio. And it
4: wouldn't be an interview with Vince Irene if you weren't.
5: The <laughs> weren't ordering, ordering pizza. <laughs>
4: question of uh, protest and protest tactics and looting stores and smashing cop cars and is this tactically viable? Does this help or hinder the larger, the larger goal of uh, social justice? But there's also this larger question of where do, where do the protest movements fit into the larger apparatus of the security state? I know in the United States, we're not used to thinking like that, Because we think the security state or the military or the intelligence community is facing outwards is um, something used to fight wars on them. And in America, we have freedom of speech and we have right to assembly. But in reality, they have their own agendas and their own tactics that it's a game. I mean, ultimately, law enforcement is playing a game that we don't know the rules to. And even though we don't know the rules, the rules are changing, um, especially in this moment. In a recent issue of my failed state update newsletter, I addressed counterinsurgency and specifically how it applies to the current moment we're in. Counterinsurgency, if you haven't been paying attention, is a, a military doctrine that basically looks at rebellion and a uh, political differences with the establishment that could lead to rebellion as military problems. You know, one, one example of that used in our, by our local police is uh, community policing, you know, this idea that the cops are going to get out among the community to, to get to know people and bring the temperature down and uh, make people think twice before they act out in Vietnam. Counterinsurgency was done under the rubric of the Phoenix Program, which was basically an assassination program. Uh, They couldn't fight, you know, the Viet Cong or the North Vietnamese Army in a traditional war and win, so they would go into villages and find people who had questionable affiliations and could, you know, lead to somewhere down the road uh, being in in opposition to the United States, like we're labor leaders. We're not talking about. potential terrorists, even just people of the wrong political stripe. And also it was abused a lot by uh, different unethical people in Vietnamese society to like go after, to like get revenge or go after people. You know, they would, if they didn't like somebody or somebody screwed them over, they'd give their names to the, the U.S. Army or the CIA and they'd be dropped out of a helicopter into the Mekong Delta or something. And counterinsurgency doctrine is important to understand because it's being used by law enforcement and it is being used to target politically dangerous people. And if you are stepping up to the man, you'd better be aware of what they're coming at you with. So... Um, I'm going to roll a little bit of an interview I did with Douglas Valentine, the author of The Phoenix Program. This interview was actually recorded in 2017. I think it was November 2017. So I'm going to roll that and hopefully we're going to see how that fits into the story when we come out the other end. I'm actually doing a story about policing and how counterinsurgency methods have been adopted by police forces. And of course, you know, I think to understand policing in this day and age, you have to understand counterinsurgency.
2: The, the militarization of the police forces is a, is, a, is a natural byproduct mm-hmm. of the Amer- of America policing the world and globalization, where where the two things now like private and public are merging, you know, and, and and the military and the police are merging. All these things happen through the coordination and the bureaucratization and technology that brings them all together. They become indistinguishable from each other. <laughs> Plus, you have had a war on terror going on for now 17 years, so the people that are coming out of the military have been functioning and performing in a, in a police fashion. Mm-hmm. They, they are not fighting combat forces overseas. They are policing Iraq. They are policing Afghanistan. They are—they are doing the same kinds of thing that Pinkertons did. Yeah. You know, they're targeting individual leaders of resistance movements, nationalist resistance movements. Mm-hmm. They're learning how to do that. And when they come home, they bring that sensibility with them. Mm-hmm. Both the, the the military people who, you know, the, the enlisted people who become the foot soldiers in the police forces. You know, they, they they no longer distinguish kicking in a door in Afghanistan or Iraq from kicking in a door in Harlem or Chicago, yeah. St. Louis or any other place. They're, they're used to sitting behind a computer and studying files to, to learn what to do. They did it overseas. Now they're doing it at home. They're indoctrinated to think that there's no difference between police and military operations, they have merged, they've become one and the same, and so it's seamless for the people who have been indoctrinated to, to perform these functions to think that it's fine, and that they they too have been indoctrinated to think that they're fighting terrorism.
4: What do you see as the next step, you know, knowing the history of how counterinsurgency works, and knowing what we have domestically, what we have the infrastructure for as far as...
2: What what keep happening mm-hmm. is first... Uh, Income inequality. Mm -hmm. You make sure all the resources go to the right people. Okay? Now, once you make sure that all the resources go to the the rich people, then they can fortify their Bantu stands, Mm -hmm. their little gated communities. They can make them bigger and stronger. Yeah. They don't, you keep merging public and private policy until people have no more Mm -hmm. public space where they can be free. You know, I mean, it used to be that there was lots of public space where you could roam and you could do what you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Well, that's diminishing too, for all the reasons we're talking about. You know, overpopulation, uh, income inequality, all those things. So, all those things are trending, yeah, in the in this direction. And, and and as they trend, you have a Praetorian guard that becomes privileged. The whole idea of a that you see of 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 this since nine eleven. And, and as you see, the generals in in uh, uh, Trump White House and and the press conferences they're giving, saying that you can't question the military. Yeah. You can't question the. You can't question the police. You can't stand up at a football game and protest because certain things are sacred. You can't question these things. You can't question these beliefs. Well, all of that gets worse and worse and worse. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, until finally. You know, so the brainwashing just becomes more and more deeply instilled in Americans until they start accepting all this stuff, and they start accepting the fact that the police and the military, which have now become the same thing, are actually there to protect them from an imaginary enemy, and that they are special, that they deserve, they can't be questioned, and whatever they do is fine because it's in, in their common good. In the meantime, while their commonwealth is being sold off to the highest bidder, yeah. you know. So, 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 uh, it, it's very plain where it's all going and and what's going to happen. You know, right. I mean, it's just going to get worse and worse, and it's never going to get any better
4: until it all collapses. The whole point of what I'm trying to say here is that that the counterinsurgency doctrine of social networks and spying on people and paid informants and uh, crooked cop shit like starting riots in the middle of protests is coming and is here to an extent and will keep coming to an extent. I'm just looking at a tweet right now from Donald Trump saying... The United States of America will be designating Antifa as a terrorist organization. Now, whether or not he can do that, I mean, it's questionable. And, you know, this is crazy Trump talk. But the, the important thing is that, it's that all the people who are protesting, you know, the racism in this society and the militarized racism, the systemic racism... They're going to be labeled terrorists, and they're going to be treated the way that, you know, the ghetto already is treated, just the same as people are in Afghanistan and Iraq and people were in Vietnam. So this is a political war, and, you know, it's important that we realize that that is what it is.
1: Are you guys with the Antifa?
4: No, we're not nope. with anybody. Do oh, you
1: know any Antifa? Oh, I smell weed. <laughs> what do you guys live down here?
3: Still in Ohio. Yeah.
1: What are you here for?
3: Oh no, what's going on. Yeah, just
1: see just what's, going what's going on. on really. Now, who are these people up here? Like, there's...
0: One... Oh, no, they're a bunch of retards in there.
1: I know, right? <laughs> a bunch of You see what I'm seeing, right, guys? A line of about 15 white people standing across the street, holding hands, and a line of cops in front of them, and that's it. You trying to get in here? I'll tell you what, that was intimidating, seeing those cops standing there like that. Oh, I know. That's what I said when you walked up on him. Uh, We got Antifa coming here now. Check hotel roster. Soros put them in hotels until showtime. Follow the helicopter. I don't hear the helicopter anymore.
4: Now, a protest, something big and uncontrolled like that, there's a lot of room for rumors. There's a lot of room for conspiracy theories. People are on the ground, moving fast, trying to figure out what's going on. Not always... Seeing things clearly, but you know the overlap of the like fringe weirdness and the protest movement that I'm seeing in the last few days is really nutso. So um, there's a the question of was the riot in Pittsburgh started by a a right wing provocateur or a a numbskull left wing guy? Did the cops leave their cop car around to to ignite the riot? And those are all valid questions, and we might not know the answers to them, but we definitely will learn something by examining those questions. You know, there were numerous live feeds of people. There's actually a QAnon woman who I contacted for an interview, which, you know, probably better off if she, I don't interview her. Because, I mean, she was w- walking around looking for um, for evidence of saboteurs and, you know, democratic chicanery behind the protest i guess the i guess the alt right and qAnon idea is that riots start because the elite want them to start so they can so they can take charge so they can use the chaos to take charge all over twitter every every protest people have been sharing tweets saying that that somebody some mysterious they is Putting pallets full of bricks all over the like on the side of the road along the, the path of the march. Which no one's ever seen one?
3: George Floyd! George Floyd! Why
1: did the police let this short man join? Who the fuck is he gonna hurt? Look at this munchkin!
0: Look at this baby-ass bitch! You're so
4: short! Look at this short guy! So I'm watching this video right now, and it's rather amazing. I don't know how I found it. It's just called Pittsburgh Riots Livestream, and it was uploaded by a QAnon supporter named Jules Zee2, J-U-L-Z-E-E-2. And um, this person's nuts. And <laughs> they drove to to Pittsburgh late after everything happened. And you see, what happened was they marched towards Freedom Corner, got as far as the Civic Arena, or the old Civic Arena. Now it's uh, that was torn down. It was, now it's PPG Paints Arena. And, um, and then after that crowd began to disperse, a lot of them came back to Market Square, which is in the other direction if you're not from Pittsburgh. And there's a lot of shops there. And they started, like, looting. It's really kind of crazy. I mean, the video is just, like, (laughs) it's bizarro. It's goofy. Um, It begins with the two—well, it doesn't begin. We are beginning with our two uh, QAnon agents uh, driving. They're in their car. All the windows rolled up. Just driving down, um, I think it's Forbes Avenue, towards Market Square— just, like, mind-blown, like, at the chaos around them. And then you'll hear Jewel Z2, or whatever her name is, get out of the car and start interacting with Pittsburghers.
1: We'll see. We'll try there's to get people, in There's people, but there's not that many. No, there's not that many, and they're not that... When the looting starts, the shooting starts. Yeah, that's what President Trump said. And, uh, the looting started... A lot of these people just look like Pittsburghers, you know? I don't know. Look at them all wrapped up.
3: Come on, guys. Well, that...
1: Yeah, yeah, but the, Do you really have to be all... That's what they figure they can looking. do. Yeah, they can do it, so they're going to do Pallets it. of bricks, pallets of guns, pallets of cash. Who delivers pallets? Like... What is that? You want me to move some stuff? Yeah, move the... Move the um, yeah. What is that? Wait. Here, let me get you... Oh, no, I'm sorry. This is like dirt. The planters. Can you get through that? It sends a message that we're not okay with the systems that are in place
0: what right a
1: But if I own that store, you're just screwing me. If you own that store, you're going to get insurance money to rebuild your window. Exactly. Oh, I guess. We're going be doing this shit Do you hear the logic, guys?
3: It is logical.
1: Who are you with? PeaceLoveUnity.org That's Thanks for being out here documenting this. Oh, I'd love. Yeah. Now, are you guys paid by George Soros? Do you? Where do you guys get your money from? I don't know who that is. Where do you get your money from? I don't get paid for anything. This is my friend shirt I borrowed. Oh. Well, I don't know. I just. I agree with the no racism and no killing people. Yeah. I totally disagree with that. That. I mean, that black is... people were never paid for building this country. Black people were never paid to don't think, I don't think you know your history as well as you think you do. Because white people were slaves too in America. So, what are the white people that were slaves? I'm, I'm out here too. I'm out here too. I I'm am too. part of this. I'm happy to take part in this. Why don't you throw a rock at the window? Look at that. They're just destroying. They're destroying the CVS in there there's a dollar bank. Oh. Sh- that was a dollar bank. I didn't even realize. Oh my gosh, they broke into the bank.
4: Sure, that woman was pretty nutty, but Oh my gosh, I've got to turn off these. Ugh, Jesus Christ. Stop texting me people. So that was pretty nutty, but that's only one example of like conspiracy culture melding with these kind of these events. One of the first tweets I saw when this whole thing started was kind of like a far away shot of a guy in a parking garage, like from like the other end of the parking garage and like a white robe or like white something and... Immediately the tweet went out the KKK are counter demonstrating watch out the KKK are in the area. And and that went viral even well after it was established that it was a group of Methodist ministers that were there to protest. And then there's you know the car the the pallet of uh, bricks that are allegedly left around and even the origin of the knucklehead who decided to trash the police car which which turned this from a peaceful demonstration to a riot. There is so much speculation. Is he left-wing? Is he right-wing? Was he sent by the cops? How about the the police car itself? It is extremely, extremely suspicious that it was just there by itself, abandoned. Almost as if it was a gift to the uh, would-be rioters. <laughs>
3: Go. Let you you go. Go. We don't want we go. Go. We we like yeah. to be down down the streets. They're not. They're not. They're
4: not Fact of the matter is things are a lot worse off in a lot of other cities in the country. This probably isn't the most exciting story when you're looking at what's happening in Minneapolis and Los Angeles and New York. But I just wanted to take this opportunity to kind of look at a couple facets of it and see what we could learn about the larger protest movement and the difficulties it's going to face as we continue our inexorable national decline This story just keeps on getting weirder. I um, I was just about to put this episode to bed when I came across a uh, article in the Nation by Ken Klippenstein, and this is dated yesterday. The U.S. military is monitoring protests in at least seven states, according to Defense Department documents obtained exclusively by the Nation. A situation report details protester actions and National Guard reaction force capabilities in six cities, Denver, Memphis, Phoenix, Louisville, New York City, and Columbus. This is in addition to other reports like uh, a Predator drone is circling Minneapolis as we speak. The following quote from a, a National Guardsman to the nation's Ken Klippenstein really spells out what the problem is here. We're a combat unit not trained for riot control or safely handling civilians in this context. Soldiers up and down the ranks are scared about hurting someone, and leaders are worried about the soldiers suffering liability. My colleagues are people of common sense and common decency. They may not want to step over any lines when doing their job, but wanting only goes so far when you're under-trained and under-equipped.
0: We've been felt. It's to a point where even our white allies think we're the problem, so they offer help by clipping our tails. Mm. Now tell me this if you were thrown in the cell by someone who does not wish you well, would you respond well to being advised to just not go to jail? Yeah, Come on, bro, what the hell?
1: It's if you're not racist, then
4: why is... The protests in Pittsburgh continued today, May 31st, Sunday, for the second day, and there is something planned for tomorrow, so. The struggle for justice uh, endures no matter how weird it gets.
0: now police say this is one of the men who helped turn pittsburgh's george floyd protest into violence this is 20 year old brian bartels and police are still looking for him police say he broke out the windows of a pittsburgh police car last night without the approval or support of protesters that's the car right there just outside ppg paint arena now earlier today only channel 11 was there when police officers from pittsburgh shaler and the fbi searched a house in shaler we know that this search was part of that investigation. Bartels was not at that home. And again, police are still searching for him. Stay with Channel 11 for breaking details on this story. We
1: start our live coverage with Amelia Brace in Washington, D.C. Amelia, the unrest is now literally at the
3: president's front door.
2: So look at the scene here, this is a line of police making their way, they are forming a wall in front of the White House, look behind them, you can see the flames burning in the park right in front of where the President is. What we know is to our right here is where the protesters have been pushed to, that is where you're hearing those very loud bangs exactly like that, so what we're seeing The police are holding a line here. They soon are going to move down this street to try to push these protesters further away.